0: Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast where we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless there's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the last day of August 2016. 2016. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. After today, it'll be September. And if you're in contention, I mean, this is, this is magical. So we're we'll looking at the teams that are in a position for a playoff spot, Turn the corner, turn the page, and so well, then we're gonna be taking a good long look at who beat the odds and who didn't. You know what the amazing thing is? The amazing thing for me, and, and I said this up this point last year, and I say this every time when we're we're approaching when when the you know when the season is is really taking shape, you know, will there be a hundred win team? Um, the Cubs have a real shot to be a 100-win team. They have to have a very good September, obviously. Um, I think you're going to see a bunch of 90-win teams. I think you're going to see a bunch of 80-win teams do well. Wow, something just binged. Something just binged. I don't know what that was. Something just binged. You know, I'm not going to that out. I'm just going to get on with my life. Here's the thing that, that never ceases to amaze me about this type of the year, this point of the year. Someone, somewhere, is waking up, going to bed, without the knowledge that they are going to be an all-time hero of a fan base. At this point last year, think about the Kansas City Royals at this point last year. They had that great run that took them within one swing of winning the World Series title. But, you know, they certainly look like they're on their way to being a a playoff team. But did anyone know that Alcides Escobar would wake up one day and be the ALCS MVP in a series where he had an OPS of 1.134 and help take out a mighty Toronto team. Did anyone know at this point that Daniel Murphy was gonna slug the Mets into the World Series and then slump and make errors that basically took him out of the World Series? You know, it's that way, it goes both ways. You know, Salvador Perez and Wade Davis were the great heroes of the World Series for the Kansas City Royals. But another name out there, Jarius Familia, who had a wonderful season last year with the New York Mets, would go on to blow three saves in the World Series. Three games in a five-game series were blown by Familia. And he didn't know at this point that even though he had a wonderful season and saved some gigantic games, that his legacy was going to be those games that he blew. That in games 1, 4, and 5, they handed him in the, the ball with the lead in the eighth inning or later, and the Mets lost all three of those games. If he had held the lead, the Mets would have won the World Series. If he had held the lead of just one of those games, it would have at least sent the series back to Kansas City. Somewhere out there, to get all fievel on you, somewhere out there is someone who is going to be the great hero of October and the great GOAT as well. And they don't know it yet. And we'll find out soon. For those of you who are listening in the future, going back and reviewing past episodes, you're shaking your head because, man, Sully didn't know that insert hero here, insert goat here, will be forever associated with the year 2016. We don't know who they are yet. Are they a Ranger? Are they a National? Are they a Cub? Is this year the Cub fans finally have it? Is this year Indian fans finally win it? Is this going to be yet another Red Sox championship? Will Toronto finally have something to cheer for? We don't know. We don't know at this point. One thing I do know is that there is a lot of reasons to be excited, to be enthusiastic about the state of baseball. I think that there was a a tiring aspect of the PED era. Now, to be fair, I think there was also a tremendous amount of excitement. I think people really liked the PED era. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I, I really believe that's true. I really believe that people had fun cheering on the home run records. I think people stormed into the, into the uh, uh, you know, record attendance. People loved it. People like seeing big homers. But I also think that there was a certain amount of fatigue, for the lack of a better word, that came about with, oh, they did it, oh, they did it too, that made you look back at some of those fun memories and, geez, were those even real? Should I even have felt good about that? Now, I make the argument, yeah, yeah, they were real it happened whether or not you want to put them on the same level as Ruth or Mays or Aaron you know that's 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 a you issue but we all had fun we all cheered we all loved it and every team had someone on it you no team could look back and say oh well that championship doesn't matter cuz this guy was on Roy every team had someone on Roy's okay every team and so but there was a certain amount of fatigue. There was a certain amount of, oh, so tired. And it sort of made you not want to cheer for some people. made some people not want to cheer for It made some people look back and go like, oh, is there even reason to cheer? Now, of course, there's still PEDs out there. And, of course, there's still people who are using it. But one of the things that happened and one of the reasons why people got so much more angry about players like Bond's Players like Maguire, players like Sosa, players like Clemens, as opposed to Gary Sheffield, as opposed to Ken Caminiti, you know, as opposed to Bartolo Colon. Now, and, and as opposed to David Ortiz. Now, I do believe that people put, uh, project what they feel about players in terms of how they view someone who did PEDs in terms of if they like that player, they're gonna be more willing to forgive them. If they don't like that player, they'll you know, they'll throw them under the bus from the world of PEDs. People like David Ortiz, people like uh, Andy Pettit. And so they get a free pass. You know, they get people who are like, oh well, you know, you'll hear people who are will will actually um you know, uh, uh, forgive Andy Pettit for doing the same thing that Roger Clemens did and throw Clemens under the bus because people like Pettit. And they don't necessarily like Clemens. But I think that one of the reasons why some of those players are vilified is because they passed records. And records in baseball, as opposed to other sports, have a special tie to the fans. The numbers, the hard fashion, not the sabermetric numbers, which are difficult to quantify. It's like, oh, with that hit, he now has a higher war. Now, you don't. that's not how it works, and it's hard to figure out, okay, at what point does he pass war? At what point does he do this? But a hard number, like, you know, 500 home runs, 3,000 hits, that's not up to interpretation. That's not up to a formula. And there was a certain sense of when you pass that number, you are of an elite quality. Well, then we start seeing that some of these numbers became cheapened as more and more of them were hit in a certain era, and we found out they were juicing like crazy. And so there was a sense of, well, do those numbers mean anything anymore? Are they as special anymore? When people hit 500 home runs, it seems like every other year another person passed the 500 home run club you know, it's, it makes you think, oh boy, does it still have the same meaning? I mean, look, you go to career home runs. The people who have hit, five, there have been 27 players who have hit 500 home runs. Okay? And I'm not saying all these people did PEDs. But I am saying they all happened around the same time. In history... There have been 27, and 11 of those 27 have taken place in the last 20 years. So, I mean, the idea that the number who have passed that milestone, the sheer tonnage that have taken place since 1990, since the end of the strike, is, yeah, it's a a bit much. It's a little suspicious. And it also makes you think, well, yeah, 500 home runs is great. Wait a minute, I think it may be more. Well, it, it, it's, it's, look, Now I missed a couple. It's about half. I'm saying that they doubled the 500 home run total since the strike of 1995. We knew all sorts of stuff was being done then. Yeah, it becomes less special when it happens at such a rapid clip. And I think maybe it won't happen as rapid a clip anymore, but the idea of having a home run king that we can look at and say, like, "Oh, he passed this great number; it was a great day for baseball," and everything like that. People who don't feel that way about Bonds, they were hoping to feel that way about A. Rod, until we found out about A. Rod. And so you have to take a look at what numbers and what records are going to mean something anymore. What Are we ever going to be at a point where we can reclaim those, that so the fans can reclaim those records? And probably the two records that are the most, I don't want to say hollow, but the ones that people really look at and appreciate and the easiest to quantify are hits and home runs. Who had the most hits? Who so has the most home runs? And, of course, the top of the hits leader is Pete Rose, who's not in the Hall of Fame. And the top of the home runs is Barry Bonds, who's not in the Hall of Fame. There's something about that that is a disconnect, even if you can make a valid reason for keeping them both out. There's a sense of, wouldn't be great if we could feel good about those records again. And it made me take a look at something that happened today. Do you know Manny Machado? Manny Machado is a wonderful player. Manny Machado was a third pick overall in the 2010 draft, and he's been a fabulous player for the Baltimore Orioles. He got a gold. He's a two-time Gold Glove winner. He's been a two-time top-10 uh, MVP candidate. Last year had a tremendous season, and this year is having another wonderful season. Uh, as the well, he's been playing primarily third base. He plays a little bit of shortstop. As well, but primarily the third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles. You, know what happened today? He homered. Well, that's nothing special. But the interesting thing is, is it was homer number one hundred. Hmm, that's that's interesting. He has a hundred homers. He is the youngest player to hit one hundred homers. Now think about that for a second. He is someone who this is his he's. His career high is 35, which was last year. Uh, I believe, you know, with 32 home runs this year, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think he has a real good chance to hit four more home runs. So this may be a career high from this year. But it's been a buildup. You know, he came up, he played 51 games as a 19 year old and hit seven home runs, hit 14 home runs, 12 home runs, 35 homers this year. We'll probably pass 35 homers. 100 home runs at age 24. Now, he's already a five-year veteran, and he is not yet a 25-year-old man. When I take a look at that, I think, okay, if anyone is going to pass and move up the great home run chart, wouldn't it be someone who has a big head start. Most people don't make it to the major leagues even for a cup of coffee until they're 22 23 years old. and At that point he was already a four or five year veteran. So I look at Manny Machado and I think let's keep an eye on him. What if he keeps hitting home runs? What if his home run totals start to increase? He didn't burst onto the scene with a 50 home run season at age 20. He's building up. What if he's growing in to that home run slugger? And then next thing you know, he has a couple of 40 home run seasons, and he's passing 200 home runs by the time he's 26, 27, passing 300 home runs by the time he's not yet 30. That's possible. And then we can really start to look. It's like, wait a minute, what kind of home run hitter is he? Is he going to pass that 500 home run record or 500 home run benchmark in a way that we're like, wait a minute, he doesn't look like the big lumbering lug of a slugger that used to fill up the rosters in the 1990s and the 2000s? Now, granted, it's hard to do the eyeball test for a PED user because a string being like D Gordon was busted for PEDs. But maybe this is one of the things that happens. As the faces of the PED years start to move away, and Ortiz will be gone, Ramirez is gone, A-Rod is gone. There's very few players, you know, yes, you will have the Melky Cabreras and the Ryan Braun's of the world who have been caught, to be sure. But the days of the 30 home run slugger batting 7th or 8th and being a platoon player are pretty much gone. So if someone could start moving up that ladder in a way that we can feel good about again, that makes your pal Sully feel really good. And also brings me to another player. Another player who is intensely—you can't root against him. The five-foot-six Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve is just turned twenty-six years old, and he has over one thousand hits. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, when when Ichiro Suzuki um, passed three thousand hits the other day. With his uh, triple off- the- wall in course field, and the other day it was uh, he passed Wade Boggs on the all-time hit list. Now, an interesting thing about those two players: Wade Boggs made his big league debut at age 24. Ichiro Suzuki made his big league debut at age 27. Altuve is 26. And he has over 1,013 hits. He's a hit machine where year in and year out he gets 200 hits a year. Kind of like Boggs, kind of like Ichiro. And I think one of the things that a lot of us look at the career of Ichiro and the career of Boggs, and like, if Boggs and Ichiro came up around the same time that Altuve did, and Altuve came up as a 21 year old, then, I mean, how many more 200 hit seasons would they have piled up? Now, Altuve didn't get his first 200-hit season until he was 24, but he was already a three-year veteran at this point. This is one of the things I find amazing about Machado and Altuve, is I still think of them as relatively new and young. And do you know what? They are. You know, they're still in their mid-20s. And yet they've reached a couple of milestones that you think, "Oh, wait a minute. Altuve, if he keeps getting these 200-hit seasons... He could very easily be at 2,000 hits before his 30th birthday. And at that point, as a second baseman, could he continue to move his way up the ladder? Could Altuve, of all the players out there, be the one to give Pete Rose a run for his money? 4,000 hits have been passed by only two players. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're both kind of complicated. Pete Rose and Ty Cobb. Can Altuve pile up the hits, hit after hit after hit, and work his way past 2,000, past 3,000, and be in a situation where, hey, in his mid-30s at 3,000, to say, do you have another 1,000 left in you? I may be asking too much, but I don't know. He has a head start. He's 26 years old, and he's already a quarter of the way there. What I'm saying is, for those of us, or I guess I can't be under us because it wasn't me, but for those of you who were exhausted and disillusioned by the PED era. Take a look at some of these players who may put up some big-time numbers and may pass some of these milestones, and there may be reason to feel good again. Of course, someone like Mike Trout, who doesn't pile up the hits the way that Altuve does, because he also walks like crazy. He leads the league in walks again, and he does hit home runs left and right. He's not yet, how old is Mike Trout at this point? Mike Trout just turned 25, and he has 164 home runs. The idea of him, I mean, he'll pass 200 home runs before he's 27 years old. And then a bunch more there, he could be up to 300 by the time he's 30. By the way, this just makes you really appreciate Hank Aaron, doesn't it? That he never hit 50 and he averaged 35 home runs year in and year out to get to 755 home runs. It's amazing. All these other things have to happen to have us really appreciate Henry Aaron. But what I'm saying is this. If baseball has the numbers and your problem with the Royd era is it took away the value of those numbers, then root hard for Trout, for Machado, for Altuve, for Bryce Harper, for all these wonderful young players who are still in their mid-20s and yet are already five, six-year veterans in the major leagues. How Bryce Bryce Harper is not even 24 years old and he's a five-year veteran. You know, when you think about what some of these players, if they stay healthy and if they stay productive what kind of careers they can have, and what kind of numbers they can put up. Folks, this is reason to embrace this game. And notice that they're all, you know, I mean, you got Trout's with the Angels, Harper's with the Nationals, Altuve is with the Astros, Machado is with uh, Baltimore, so, these aren't the typical big market teams hogging up the players, which has been the, the not 100% accurate portrayal of baseball over the last bunch of years. Isn't this what you wanted? You wanted new young stars away from the PED darkness, putting up great numbers, and not doing it for New York or for Boston. Isn't that what you wanted? Well, it's happening. Pay attention. Cheer for them. There's reasons to love this game. And there's reason to have a tremendous amount of hope for the future of this game. And you know what? Pretty soon, there are going to be some great numbers being passed by these players. If you didn't like the previous era, or you felt like it was a phony era, then love what we're seeing right now. We could be living in an era of Trout, Machado, Altuve, and Harper and the great numbers that they're going to put up. Be on that train early because 10, 15 years from now, man, they may all be legends. So, go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date listings of Who Owns Baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 31st day of August 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.